Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope you are having a good Sunday morning and I hope you are ready to hear a little something about the gospel today. We're going to have a good time today because in the studio with me once again is my good brother, Jim Landley. Jim, thanks for joining us once again. Thank you, Ken. It's good to be here and uh, looking forward to this conversation. What we're going to talk about today is an issue uh, we often hear from others is, I don't know how to start a conversation about Jesus, about sharing my faith. And so that's the the topic we're going to look at today, and I really pray that it's going to be uh, instructional for you, and you can pick up some good tips on how to share your faith. Before we get to that, though, Jim, it'd be a good idea if we pray for us, don't you think? Yes, let's do All right, would, would you lead us in prayer? Father, I thank you so much for your goodness to us through Christ, and we know that the gospel is the most important message that anyone will ever hear. And so, God, we ask you uh, to be with us, that the power of the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and the words to say, so that we might help others to come to know how to have that conversation with a stranger or person in line or someone next to them at the coffee shop or just going through our daily lives at work, maybe, or at home. So we can start that conversation about spiritual things and then lead them to our Lord Jesus Christ, who saved us and loved us. And so be with us and be with this broadcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Jim, usually there's a lot of excuses on why people don't share the gospel. Let's eliminate some excuses right off the get-go here. One is, well, I just don't really feel like I can do it. I kind of feel insecure or don't have power to do it. Why do we tell them all that? Well, a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people feel like they just aren't capable or don't have the uh, personality or they just don't know how to get conversations started or they just feel like they're not really suited for sharing the good news with people. But the Bible tells us, Ken, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we shall receive power to be his witnesses. And so what I like to tell people is there's a difference between knowing about something and trusting in something. We can read that verse, and it says clearly that we shall have power to be a witness, and uh, we can think, well, I, I know what that means, and still not have that power, and that's because we have to learn to trust that power, and one of the ways I explain that is coming into the studio, yeah, there's a chair in front of the microphone here, and I looked at that chair, and I thought to myself, well, I know that chair can hold me, so in my mind, I know this, but does it have the power to hold me? So when I sit down in that chair and it holds me up, then I know, okay, I can trust it now. I can trust that what I know is true. And it's the same way, Ken, when we go out to share the gospel or share with people. We already have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we trust the power of the Holy Spirit when we actually go out and we actually begin to share. Amen. So we need to take God at his word and trust that what he says he's going to do. And if we know God, we know he's going to do that. Absolutely. (laughs) Then. Another thing, I think people feel pressure. They put pressure on themselves that, oh, what if I don't save them? First of all, we know we can't save them, right? Right. But God gives us some comfort in his word on basically taking the pressure off of us and knowing that it's him who's going to do the work. We just have to do our part. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Jesus made it clear in John chapters 14 and 16 that he had to go away partly because he wanted to send the Holy Spirit to us. And the Holy Spirit is a person who has a work that he does. And that work is to convict people of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. He's the one that reveals truth. He's the one that leads people to truth. Uh, he also helps us to remember the things that Christ uh, taught. And he's the one that gives us power, to, the boldness to be a witness. And so really the pressure is not on us. 
All we have to merely do is just be obedient. And since it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of their sin, we don't have to worry about saying the right things or getting everything exactly perfect. As long as we're able to share our testimony and the gospel, then all we have to do is just rely on the Spirit of God to do His work in them. So really, we can have a lot of peace. We're not the ones who lead them to salvation. The Holy Spirit does that work. We're not the one that convicts them of their sin. The Holy Spirit does that work. We're not even the ones, Ken, when they read the Word of God or hear the Word of God that makes them believe it as truth. The Holy Spirit reveals that to them. And so that should give us all a lot of peace and comfort when we go to share. Amen. I I think sometimes we we do put too much pressure on ourselves thinking we have to do this, we have to do that. But if we listen to what we're saying, like, I don't know if I can remember this. I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing. I don't know if this, that, and the other. What do I keep talking about? Yeah, the emphasis is on myself instead of the emphasis being on the Lord or on that soul, right? right? We need to care about souls. If we really care about our neighbor and contemplate that, you know, there's a there's a real possibility that person next to me could die without Jesus. And the result is terrible. It's hell. And so if we really care about that soul, we'll be willing to trust in that power of the Holy Spirit to become that witness and help them. Yeah. So God does everything. He takes the pressure off of us. He gives us the power to be a witness for him. And he gives us all the tools that we need. And another great promise that he gives us, we find at the end of the Great Commission. So we know we're not doing this alone, right? That's correct. Of course, the Great Commission is found in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus tells them, his disciples, all power and authority is his, and he commands them to go to everyone, to all the nations, and make disciples, and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to observe or obey all that Christ commanded. And then he says something wonderful. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So when I'm out there sharing in the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that Jesus is right there with me. And so I'm comforted by that. Yeah. And in Mark 16 as well, where we see the disciples go out as, as Jesus has, has given them the Great Commission. And the scripture tells us that Jesus is working with them. And he had already ascended to heaven, right? Yes. So, so we see in Scripture that taking place. Man, it, it just excites me because I know Jesus is, well, he's in me through the Holy Spirit, but he's with me, and he's given me everything that I need to be his witness. So we've eliminated some excuses there, right? And so the next big thing is people will say, I, I just don't know how to get a conversation started. When really almost anything that that's talked about we can turn into a conversation but you need to practice doing that right you need to start thinking about ways to turn conversations and in dm squared we teach some some processes there on some topics we can talk about with other people but oftentimes uh, people just won't enter into that conversation about their faith with others because they just really don't see a way to do it so let's talk about some ways to turn Use some examples to turn a conversation into a conversation about Jesus and and our faith in him with hopes of saying something that the other person is going to click with them and they're going to want this Jesus who we have. Sure, Ken. There's a variety of things that we can do. And 
most of it has to do with uh, awareness, being aware of the people around you, being observant, like uh, do they have any tattoos? Is there a tattoo that you could look at and use as a bridge to get to the gospel or start a conversation? Is there something on a shirt, a phrase, a picture? Or uh, are they playing a game? Or are they reading a book? Or are they picking up a book uh, out of a, a bookstore a lineup of books? So there's lots of different ways you can do it. Um, just to kind of give you an interesting example, one day I was in a McDonald's and a, a guy walked in with a, a shirt that said Crimson Tide on the front of the shirt. And I thought, oh, here's here's a great opportunity. So uh, the, the man got his drink and he was walking toward me. And I said, uh, Crimson Tide, that's Roll Tide, right? And he goes, yes, that's right, Roll Tide. I go, I love the Crimson Tide. Do you know why? And the man said, no, I don't know why. I said, because it's biblical. And he just looked at me strange. The crimson tide is biblical? I said, no, but the crimson part is. It says, because even if your sins are like crimson, I can make them as white as snow. And you know that's what Jesus did for you? And this guy's mouth just dropped. He was a youth pastor. And he said, I'd never heard anybody introduce the gospel like that before. So just merely looking at something on a T-shirt can lead you to a gospel presentation. Yeah, and that's and that's a great example too. Being uh, here in Alabama, uh, where football is, well, unfortunately, is worshipped by many, but <laughs> but it's always a topic of conversation in season or out of season, and we can turn a, a conversation about football just like you did there. I actually started a conversation with Crimson Tide. Yeah. Now Auburn fans may be out here, sure, saying, "Well, what about us? How can I start a conversation using Auburn?" Yeah, well, the Auburn was the fight chant uh, is uh, War Eagle running down the field, right? And so War Eagle seems to be the, the chant. Well, the Bible talks about eagles. It says that we will be lifted up with him like upon eagle's wings, yeah. right? That means to be lifted up high. It means to be raised up. And I could just say even this idea of eagle's wings, because it's a bird that soars very, very high in the air, it has huge wings. In fact, uh, I saw a video one time of an eagle actually picking up a small goat and carrying it off a mountain. But, you know, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're very, very low. We're like in the grave. And Christ is able to take us like eagle's wings and lift us up to the heights to relationship with him. And so that's a war. Yeah, the, <laughs> That's a war it. because th- there's somebody who doesn't want us to get out of that grave. And so that war eagle chant can be used to, as a bridge right to the gospel message. A lot of times uh, what I'll do is if I'm in a coffee shop, like just recently I was in a Mural City coffee. I was sitting at a table and I looked over to my right and there was some young man playing a game, a card game. And so I just simply looked over at him and said, hey, what can you tell me about that game? He said, yeah, it's called Magic the Gathering. And I thought, oh, I've never heard of that game before. I said, do you mind if I I watch you guys play? Can you tell me a little bit about it? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. And so as I sat there and they began to tell me about the game, I just used an acrostic called FIRE, F-I-R-E. I I said, "Uh, does your family uh, live here? And he said, yeah, my family's from Dothan. I said, are you from Dothan? He said, yeah. And then there's the I, which is interest. I said, so you really like this game. You're really interested in this Magic the Gathering game. He said, yeah. And he started telling me about these cards that were like dragons and demons and all these different things and how they cast spells. And then I asked him, I said, well, you know, do you have any religious beliefs? I mean, I see that you're playing cards that have like goblins and demons and things like that. Do you do you have any any beliefs? He said, no, no, I'm an agnostic. I don't have any any belief one way or the other. And then I engaged him with the gospel. That's the E. F, family. I, interests, 
our religious background, and then E, engage them with the gospel. And I begin to share with them about how we're in this fight, we're in this war, and that uh, the devil is a real person, and demons are real, real fallen angels who are coming after us and don't want us to have faith in Jesus Christ. So I got to share with him and this other young man, and although that, uh, that particular uh, evening they didn't come to faith, I really felt like there was a connection made because they understood the gospel message. It was very genuine. I was really interested in them. I really uh, wanted to take the time to get to be uh, like a friend to them and to let them know that I cared for them enough to share that gospel message. Yes, and and I think that's a big key, Jim, is being real with people and showing that you really care because sometimes people can be fake about it and tell that their heart's not, not in whatever the conversation is. But people like it when you're real. So when you're real about Jesus and they realize you're taking time to share this with them, there's an appreciation there. Just like you took interest in their game, and they they appreciate the fact that you were wondering what was going on with the game. Yeah, who's this old man? What does he care about our game? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And the fire, I I love the fire method because it is, it's simple, and it's so effective because most people enjoy talking about their family, right? And they will talk and talk and talk about their family. And obviously, when it comes to interests, they're going to talk about their interests. The important thing is we're gathering information at this point. We're learning about their family. We're learning some background about them through them talking about their family. And sometimes they'll mention, well, you know, my family took me to church when I was little. You know, that may pop up in the conversation or not. And the interest, we learn more about them. This is what they're really interested in. That's when we can start turning those conversations, asking them about faith. Yeah, their religious background. Right. That's the R. Then engage them with it. It's a simple method, but it's a very effective method at the same time because we're engaged with them at that point. At the point they're talking about their interests, then they are engaged in a conversation with us. Yeah, and I find it's helpful to smile and look them in the eye. I mean, don't act nervous. Don't look at the floor. Don't look like you're, you know, being fake about it. You know, don't like, oh, okay, uh, what about, uh, yeah, um, yeah, interests. Uh, uh, what was that other thing? Our, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Keep telling me about your interest. You know, really make it flow. Make the conversation be genuine. Really get to know them. I, I also can like to use thought-provoking questions. I think sometimes like if you're standing in a line or uh, like sometimes if you're at the grocery store, sometimes the line will be you know pretty long and you might have five or 10 minutes to get, you know, to get up to where you pay for your groceries. And so I like to ask things like, hey, what's your favorite TV show? And why do you like it? Or things like, what's your favorite song? And how do you relate to the words? You could ask him something like, in a conversation about God with a person who has never heard of him, what would you say about God from your own experience? Or things like, have your views on religion uh, uh, changed since you started college or since you've stopped going, you know, and how? Or what are you living for? Or what do you value most? Or things like, what is your concept of God? And do you view him positively or negatively? Or what do you think about church and why? So there's a lot of these thought-provoking questions you can ask people. Or, hey, Roe v. Wade just got turned over. What, what's your opinion on that? You know, people will talk about those things. Right. And then when they ask you about your opinion, you can use that as a way to go right into the gospel message. Right. And, and again, it's in engaging them with an interest in their opinion or their interest or what have you. So people are, are usually receptive because you're not hammering them over the head with the Bible right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're not like, you know, you're going to hell. You're not doing that. You're approaching them in a respectful and humble way. Wasn't there somebody that told us we were supposed to approach people humbly and with respect? Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> I think his name was Peter. Yeah. That rings if, a bell, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the letter, the first letter of Peter, chapter 3, verse 15, Peter tells us uh, sort of a three-step method of uh, being a person who can uh, share with folks. The first thing he says is, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. You see, Ken, we have to be devoted to him. He has to be supreme in our heart. When he's supreme in our heart and we're fully devoted to him, then the next step is easy. Being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks, right? How do you do that? How do you prepare? Well, you think about how I can take everyday objects and turn them into bridges to the gospel message. You can begin to prepare by saying to yourself, I want as many souls in heaven worshiping the Lord as possible. So I'm going to make an attempt today at work or at the store or at the park or at home to begin to share my faith with others. And then it says we should do this with meekness and gentleness. So that's the attitude we need to have, to be meek and gentle and humble. Why? Because we don't do the saving. That's why we need to be humble. It's the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, that died on that cross, not me. He's the one that was buried and rose again on the third day, not me. It's the power of the Spirit of God that wakens the mind to the truth of the gospel and convicts them of sin, not me. And so my part is a very humble part. I just merely share the truth with them in love, and we should be humble about that. Yes. God tells us when Jesus commands us to go out, as we talked about in the Great Commission, and to proclaim his gospel, to make disciples. But it has to start with us taking that first step. If we never take that first step, we we never get off the bench, right? So the key is taking that first step. And once you do, I always tell people, you know, like the old commercial, you can't eat just one Lay's potato chip, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) right. And I know I can. I usually eat the whole bag, you know. (laughs) But uh, but, if I haven't gotten to it first. Right. (laughs) But when we start sharing the gospel with others and we realize, hey, you know, all this that I read in the Bible about, being empowered, the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is with me, and that it's God who's doing the saving, not me. Uh, as Paul tells us, we we plant and water, and God's going to bring the increase. And so we, we actually step out and do that and realize that, yeah, that's the way it is. We get confidence not in ourselves, but in God, and right. that we can do this. And then you just can't stop. It becomes a lifestyle, which is the way it's supposed to be. So it's it's really just taking that first step to sharing your testimony, to sharing Jesus, what he's done in your life. Jim, can you give a point or two on just taking that first step? I think it starts with your own family because it's it's easier to talk to people in your family or your friends than it, than it is a total stranger. Or you could just simply find a, a believer and just say, hey, I want to practice just trying to get a conversation started. And then once you do that, you begin to get a little bit of confidence. But honestly, Ken, it really comes down to what you value, right? Because you're going to spend your time and your resources on what you value. And if you value heaven because you value the God of heaven and you want to spend eternity there, then you're going to value other people and want them there too. It's like a concert, right? You think of many different people that you would want to go see in concert. And how disappointed would you be if you went to that concert and there were two people there? Like, let's say this is an incredible music group, right? And you show up, I don't know, like Newsboys or something like that, right? And there's two people there, you and one of the roadies or something. And that's it. And you're looking around like, what is going on here? This is Newsboys. Where's the crowd? Where's the people? 
And to realize that we want as many people around the stage of heaven worshiping and glorifying our God as possible, because our God is worthy of that. And we want the least amount of people in hell as possible. And so when I value that soul that's next to me, when I remember and think, God saved me, God said sent somebody to me, or God provided a preacher for me, and because of that person, I'm a believer today, then I should have enough love for my neighbor or the person next to me to at least take that one step and say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Or, you know what? Are you having a good day today? Or can I share some things with you that have made a huge difference in my life? And they may also in yours too. And just take that little step of faith and say, Lord, be with me. I'm going to reach out to this person in love and try to share the gospel with them. Yeah, amen. Another big thing that, that often people say is, well, they shared Jesus with somebody and they didn't see salvation take place at that moment. Right. Well, remember, God is most blessed by your obedience. Whether or not that person comes to faith is not up to you. But the God of heaven is looking down at you and saying, look at my beloved child who's being obedient, who loves me so much they're willing to reach out to that person right there and that person over there. It puts a smile on God's face when you make the attempt. It glorifies him. And I can't help but think that you receive a blessing for it. Oh, no doubt. I agree. And and he is the one who we should want to please anyway. Yeah. And again, it's not looking at ourselves and saying, oh, I failed. No, we've succeeded. Correct. (laughs) And again, the Apostle Paul tells us to plant and to water, and then God brings the increase, right? Right. That's what we do. Uh, It's not up to us to save them. God's going to do that work. So we just need to take that step and to share our faith with other people. And that's one thing I invite people to come to Love in Action because you have some good opportunities to be around some people who do that daily. And you get to you get to learn how, how that looks. And you can take how it looks here and put it into the context where you're at because, you know, we, we talk to a lot of homeless people. Uh, we, we talk to a lot of people, period. And, and people who just find themselves in, in, in just a hard spot in their lives. But, you know, we can also share the gospel with the richest people in town the same way, but it's, it's a different context. Because I know Martha and I, we've, we've shared the gospel with from homeless to billionaires, and it's the same. The gospel is the same no matter who you tell it to because everybody needs Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Jim, when Jesus chose disciples and he asked them to follow me, they weren't instantly these great evangelists, right? They weren't instantly transformed into people who can, man, we can, we can tell you about, about this Messiah so well. You know, they had to learn, right? Yes, that's right. And, and so Jesus taught them and taught them three years uh, on how to share the good news of others. And we need to understand we need that kind of training too. Yeah, um, in uh, DM Squared, uh, the Disciples Making Disciple Makers, we talk about this process uh, called MAL. M-A-W-L, model, assist, watch, and leave. And it's the same thing in evangelism. We need somebody who's really, really good at sharing the gospel. And so we go along with them and we watch them do it. They model it for us, how to get the conversation started, how to uh, lead somebody to faith in Jesus Christ. And then after we've watched that modeled, then we can begin to join them and they can assist us in the process of learning how to take the initiative to do that. And then uh, at that point, the person who 
uh, is the season that evangelists can just watch us, watch us do it, watch how we encounter people, watch how we begin those gospel conversations. And then lastly, we can let them go ahead and do it on their own, or they can become someone who models it for others. And at Love in Action, it's a great opportunity to do that. There's a lot of really great folks here who are very seasoned evangelists, know how to share the gospel, and you could come and uh, be alongside one of those people and watch them model it for you. And that's a big key. Uh, We need to learn. No matter what we're trying to learn about, we need a teacher, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, And so we... We do have those opportunities here at Love in Action, and when you get involved with the with our School of Evangelism, you really have a, a lot of opportunities to, first of all, learn about the gospel, learn about how Jesus wants us to live, and then we also give you a lot of, of tools that you can use to, to share the gospel, but then you also get to meet folks who are, who are hungry for the word and hungry to live this life for Jesus, to be a Great Commission Christian. And you get to you could just get to start experiencing life with people like that. And that's what the disciples did. They experienced life together with their rabbi, with their Messiah, with the Savior, the Lord of all. And we get to experience that same life with him, but we get to do it with each other. Right. And that's important. You know, even Jesus sent them two by two. And I, I think there's also some preparation that's important too. You know, before you go and you begin to share, of course you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you boldness and help you to remember the things that you need to share. You need to say a prayer in your heart or in your mind while you're sharing the gospel, just carrying on that little conversation in your heart that says, please, Spirit of God, you know, help this person understand or help me to know what to say or what to do. And then after you've shared with them, whether they believe or not, you know, pray for that person, write their name down the next couple of days, pray for them. And then go sharing the gospel with an expectation of seeing the power of God in their life, whether it's conviction, whether it's just them giving you time to share it, or whether they actually come to faith. Go with an expectation. People go fishing expecting to catch fish. I don't know too many fishermen that go fishing with a fishing pole with no hook on it. I mean, what would be the point, right? Not very successful. No. So I think we should have an expectation that when I go out and I share the powerful good news of Christ, I'm going to see the Spirit of God moving in this person's life one way or the other. And I can be uh, confident that God is with me. And I can be confident that no matter whatever happens, God is pleased with my effort. And that's a good feeling. That is. That is a very good feeling. And we need to pray for one another. Jesus tells us to pray for for laborers, right, to go into the the fields. And so we need to pray for one another, pray that we share the gospel as we should. You know, Paul talks about that. Yeah. So we need to also pray for each other, those of us who are going out and sharing the gospel with others. And, uh, Jim, anything else? We are running out of time. Anything else you want to add? Well, just remember, as someone that goes out and shares the gospel with others, I'm reminded of a story about a pastor and an evangelist who went bear hunting. And they were up in the woods, and they were looking for a bear, and they found this grizzly bear. And the evangelist shoots the bear, and the pastor's gun doesn't go off, and the bear's angry, and it's chasing them toward the cabin. And the evangelist outruns the pastor to the cabin, and he opens the door, and as soon as the pastor gets to the door, he closes it and locks it shut. And here's the bear bearing down on them. And uh, the pastor says to the evangelist, why did you shut the door? And the evangelist said, my job is just to get him to the door. Your job is to keep him inside. And so just remember, we have an easy job to share. You know, we don't have to do all the other tough work. So 
Just go and share your heart and let somebody else worry about getting them in the door. Just outrun the partner, right? Yeah, outrun your selfishness. <laughs> That's right. Well, Jim, I appreciate you joining us, man. And uh, w- when this airs, uh, you and your lovely bride will be back in the mission field over in Southeast Asia. Yeah. So I uh, just want to end this with a prayer for for everybody who's listening, to, for boldness to step out and share the gospel and then pray for you and Keith as well. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time to proclaim your gospel on the radio. Lord, we pray for each person listening. First, those who are listening and, and they haven't given their lives to you. Lord, we pray today is the day they'll call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ yes, Lord. and be saved. Father, we pray for those who are believers. Lord, we pray that they've heard something today that the Holy Spirit quickened in their hearts, that they will say, you know what, I can do this. I can tell somebody about Jesus. I can share the good news. So, Lord, just want to pray for boldness for each person who's a follower of you and boldness and obedience to be obedient to your word. Lord, help us all to always be obedient to you and to tell others about you. And, Lord, I want to lift Jim and Keith up to you, Lord, as they return to Thailand, Lord, return back to the mission field in Southeast Asia. Lord, we thank you for this time this summer. And, Lord, we just thank you for for the call that you have on their lives. And so, Lord, we just pray for your guidance, your Holy Spirit, continuing to to fill them and and to guide them and to direct them, Lord, in each area, each ministry opportunity, Father God from sharing your gospel to making disciples to to meeting needs of others, Lord. We pray for your provision, and Lord, we just thank you for your anointing. So, Father, we we just want to thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, Jim, love you, brother. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. Thanks for joining us. We love you guys very much, too, and appreciate the prayer. We hope all of you out there have a great day today, a great week coming up. Remember that Jesus loves you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.